Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Namo Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Bhagavatam Canto 10, Chapter Number 87, The Prayers by the Personified Vedas, Text 31. This again has a little bit of a long purport, so I'm going to take it in sections and talk a little bit. I won't read the whole purport, everybody just go to sleep anyway. Uh, we'll just take the purport in sections. So first, the verse, with this... Uh, meter where you got one, two, three, four, five beats and then a jump. <laughs> Shraddha said it's a, t- what is it called, a tiger beat or something? A tiger? Tiger, yeah. Something like that, because like a jumping tiger. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Nagatate Nagatate Udbhavaha Prakriti Purushayo Ajayoho Ubaya Uja Bhavanti Asubritaha Jala Badbada Badbada Te ime tataha tataha nama nama unai parame sarita sarita eva eva arnave arnave maduri maduri Nagatata Uddhava Prakritya Purushayor Ajayor Nagatata Uddhava Prakritya Sarita Ivana Vema Dumi, your Shisha Sah Nagatata Utbava Prakriti 
Prophetic of material nature, of material nature. Purushayo, and of the soul who is her enjoyer, Ajayo, who are unborn, Ubaya, of both, by the combination. Bhavanti, Bhavanti, come into being. Asubhitaha, living bodies. Jala, on water. Bhavanti, bubbles. Like, excuse me, but like, Tayi, in you. Tayime, these living beings. Tata, therefore, Vibhita, various, Nama, with names, Gunai, qualities, Arame, in the Supreme, Sarataha, rivers, Viva, as, Arnave, within the ocean, Madhuni, in honey, Lilyuhu, become merged, Ashesha, all, flavors. The translation, neither material nature nor the soul who tries to enjoy her are ever born, yet living bodies come to being when these two combine, just as bubbles where water meets the air. Just as rivers merge into the ocean, or the nectar from many different flowers blends into honey, so all these conditioned beings eventually merge back into you, the Supreme, along with their various names and qualities. The subject is complicated, Vedanta. And the verses are complicated because it uses big long lines here. Uh, so I just want to go over it a little bit so you can see how we get from the Sanskrit to the English. <laughs> uh, so here, the, what we're talking about, uh, in Sanskrit, this is prakriti purusha. It's a, it's a dual compound. You know, in English, we have singular and plural, and a whole set of case endings and declensions for the singular and the plural uh, in different languages, you know. Sanskrit has singular, plural, and dual. It has three persons. First person, you know, not person, number. You know, case number and gender. So, but their number is not two. Theirs is three. Singular, plural, and dual. Interesting, go through all that trouble just to set two people together, but that's what they do. Anyway, this using this dual compound, they have prakriti purusha. 
So that shows their pair, a couple. Uh, they, they, they come together. Uh, uh, so, uh, this Prakriti and Purusha, that's why they say of the soul who is her enjoyer, because it's like a married couple, so to speak. Prakriti and Purusha. Uh, material nature, the soul, uh, embodied soul. Or uh, the Lord and as the soul of the universe and the, the universe that is the body. Anyway, both of them. Uh, but here is particularly they're talking about these two. The uh, Udbhava, uh, the coming into being, the generation, uh, the coming to being of both of them, Ubaya, uh, doesn't happen. They are ajaya, ajayo. They are unborn, uh, uh, and so uh, then it says. Then the uh, uh, then they're talking about living bodies, and then ashu britta. Asu means breath, and britta means one who carries breath. Asu britta. The, the, the breathing entities, uh, rather rather life air, not necessarily breath, but they mean prana, you know, who have prana, those who have prana, and they come into being by the combination of both. So they come into being, material nature of the soul, but the different living bodies, they come into being by this combination. And then they're compared to bubbles on water, jala, Babada va. The nice word for bubble is babada. Say it. Babada, 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 babada. <laughs> like pop. You're pop. It's onomatopoetic. So this, if you say this, babada, it sounds like bursting bubbles. Uh, so these, uh, they come to be when, like, uh, as they say in the translation, when water meets the air, right? Two things come together, air and water, and bubbles. And they pop, 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 pop. They burst. Bursting bubbles. Right? Or then the next thing, uh, uh, and then it says, Twai te ime, all of these and you, I uh, 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 like that, uh, and they all then also they give another uh, direction, another example at the end. So therefore, all these be- beings in Europe, they have their divida, nama, munai, and so on. They like they have their different names and their different forms and all those things. Uh, uh, And so these also, they, the last word, uh, they, they are merged. The second, third, the last word. And because here they put in another example, which in the translation they bring up ahead, they, they become merged into you just as uh, rivers in the ocean are uh, 
Sudden Eva Arnave and honey of, and flavors become merged into honey. Uh, Maduni and this Ashesha. Uh, 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 Shesha means all. That is, the word Shesha actually means a leftover, a reminder, remainder. So Ashesha without any remainder. Ashesha. And then all flavors merged in the, in the honey. Uh, uh, so actually, there's three examples the bubbles, rivers, and honey. That, that, that's in this uh, thing here. So the purport, without proper spiritual guidance, one may misunderstand the Veda's description of the living entities emanating from the Lord to mean they have come into being in this process and will eventually pass again into non-existence. So here, here we're dealing with this Vedanta, Janmadasya Yataha, uh, that from which everything comes, that's the study. So how does it come? So you have this idea, everything comes from Brahman. So you can think that the, because uh, these, and, and what they're saying here, the, the importance of this is that the absolute truth has energies. That's the basic idea here. They come out of property and purusha. They come out, uh, property meaning uh, uh, the material energy, uh, and the purusha. The, the more simple, where's my book? The more simple explanation of this is given by, by uh, uh, Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, where he says to Arjuna in, in the, in the in the seventh chapter, now I'm going to tell you everything there is to know. I'm going to explain to you everything. He makes this really far out claim. Uh, I'm going to explain to you all there is to be known. Yanam teham savik yanam in seven two. I shall declare unto you in full this knowledge, both both phenomenal and numinous, jnana and vijnana. You could say both spiritual and material. Um, this being known, nothing further shall remain for you to know. I mean, that's quite a claim. I'm going to tell you about everything, material and spiritual, uh, and, uh, and it's exhaustive inventory of what's there. It's like quite a claim, huh? And uh, so then he says here, the first part, Text four, Bhumir Apo Anilo Vayu Kam Mano Buddhir That's a list. Huh? Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. Uh, these eight constitute my separated material energies. Uh, the the uh, he, 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 here uh, and Prabhupada explains it the proper. You can expand it a little bit, uh, but. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, mano uh, uh are the 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 the, the uh, uh, interior the subtler forms of, of nature uh, manas buddhi ahankara and then here the tanmatras uh, 
uh, the gross elements, but that also then includes the subtle forms, the sense objects, and, and so on. So here, this is my eightfold bina prakriti astada. So that's one. Uh, that's phenomenal. Then the numinous or the numinal. Uh, besides these mighty armed Arjuna, there is another superior energy of mind which comprises the living entities who are exploiting the resources of this material inferior nature. Inferior nature. There it is. This is the other group. The, the whole world arises by uh, the confluence of these two energies. His 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 uh, his uh, uh, superior and inferior energies, right? That's what. That's how this world world comes about. And then uh, he says, everything has its source in thee, and both of these come from me. And then mata parataram nastita. And beyond that. Beyond, uh, beyond me, uh, there's no nothing else. Uh, that's what he says. That's it. There's Krishna and his uh, uh, and, uh, superior and spiritual energy, material energy. <coughs> Finished. He did it. So there we go. <laughs> he pulled it off. Nothing further to be known. So here, here, again, this is elaborating on this. The Bhagavad Gita is for simpletons, so the very complicated statements of the Vedas are boiled down a little bit. Much easier Sanskrit than this. Uh, so then, uh, 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 so this is when they say they, 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 this word here is arise, udbhava they come forth doesn't mean they're born uh, because then it says that ajayo they are unborn uh, they combine and then uh, uh, it goes on to say uh, if the living entities were to thus have only temporary existence that is that they came into, they were created and destroyed completely everything was uh, then, uh, uh, then when one of them would die, his remaining karma would simply vanish without being used up. Which is a lot of people are hoping for anyway. Uh, if there's no God, there's no hell, right? <laughs> uh, nothing to pay for it. No one to get back at me for all the things I've done to them. In future life or anything. Uh, and when the soul would be born, he would appear with unaccountable karma he had done nothing to earn. That's the big concern of Christian theology, uh, the problem of evil, that, as one guy put it, bad things happen to good people. You know how... And you see that people are born quite unfairly. Some people have talent, beautiful, good looks, wealthy. They got they born with these things, and others they got everything going against them, and, and disasters happen all the time. Not their fault. Not their fault. 
some kid is born fetal alcohol syndrome, you know, this his mother was drinking while he was just pregnant, you know. It's a horrible thing to read in the maternity words. Sometimes these, these newborn babies have to be detoxed from alcohol and heroin and all this other stuff. They're born addicted. Well, how does that happen? What do they do to deserve that? So therefore, they, even at the time of death, they don't die and have their karma. Furthermore, that is to say, if you just vanish, a living being's liberation would amount to the total ratification of his identity and being, which is almost, seems to be what's claimed by major parts of Buddhism. You stop karma, and then you don't exist anymore. <clears throat> that's how do you describe it like that? Well, that's true if all names are material names, all forms are material forms, all identities are material identities. Yeah, that's not, that's not true. And what's true is they go on, the truth is, however, that the soul's essence is one with Brahman. Just as the small portion of space contained within the walls of a clay pot is one in essence with the all-expanding sky. This is an example from the Upanishads. That it seems the sky is one, yet there's a pot, and you can talk about the, the sky, meaning the, the space, Akasha, inside the pot. You can talk about the Akasha outside the pot. But there's really only one akasha, even though it appears inside and out. So they use that example here. They don't say where it comes from, but it's an Upanishadic example. And like the making and breaking of a pot, the birth of an individual soul consists of his first becoming covered by a material body and his death or liberation consisting consists of the destruction of his gross and subtle bodies once and for all. They're going to talk here about dissolutions, but at the time of death, you're liberated from your gross body. You shuffle off that mortal coil. But you don't shuffle off the other one, the subtle body. That one you keep. Uh, so the, the definition of actual liberation is liberation from the subtle body. Much stickier than the gross body. Much stickier. Hard to get rid of. And therefore the yoga process ultimately deals with the mind because that's what you have to, you have to uh, get disentangled from. Uh, uh, so the... Uh, then it says certainly such births and deaths that is coming into the world and taking on a body uh, by material nature which is quite a miraculous process hard to duplicate in the laboratory uh, even with simple animals uh, it can be done you get a body and then you get uh, liberated uh, both of these things come into the world go out of the world they take place only by the mercy of the Supreme Lord. Uh, so they're talking about this union of Purusha and Prakriti. 
Union of Krishna and Prataki. The combination of material nature and her controller that produces the numerous conditioned beings of the material creation is likened to you the combination of water and air that produces countless bubbles and foam on the surface of the sea. Just as the efficient cause, air, so this, now, this example is elaborated by commentators. Uh, the air is the efficient cause, impels the ingredient cause, water, to form itself into bubbles. Uh, so the ingredient cause, or what's called the material cause, and the efficient cause, uh, these, these are there. This is how this is being explained. The air blowing over the water make the water form itself into these bubbles, which is just a thin skin of water. And then they pop. You can hear them pop when you say the word. So, by his glance, the Supreme Purusha, that is to say, the efficient cause, inspires Prakriti to transform herself into the array of material elements and the innumerable material forms manifest for those elements. Prakriti thus serves as the Upadana Karana, or ingredient cause of creation. Now, all the Western philosophy is called the material cause, the matter and spirit. And, and, and uh, uh, Prakriti, the, in the ultimate issue, however, since she is also an expansion of the Supreme Lord, it is the Lord alone who is the ingredient cause as well as the efficient cause. The material cause, the efficient cause. Aristotle had four causes. The formal cause, the plan, the thing. When a potter makes a pot, he's got the idea in his head, that formal cause. And there's the final cause, that for which the thing is made. So Krishna is all of those. Is the formal cause, the efficient cause, the material cause, and the final cause. It covers all the bases there. Uh, uh, so, by the way, the, the, this union of Prakriti and Purusha, as you can see as they're put together as a pair, is like a sexual union. But uh, uh, it's explained in the Brahma Samhita that Krishna himself, he is not intimate with his material nature. He's intimate, as with Radha and Krishna, with his internal potency. Then he's together with him. But you don't ever see Krishna and Durga in a conjugal relationship. It's, it's Durga and Shiva. And, and, and so it's explained in the Brahma Samhita that, 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 that Krishna as the efficient cause cancel, cast his glance from a material nature from a distance. And then that glance impregnates her, but the, that glance becomes Shiva. So Prabhupada says once in a lecture, he says that Krishna never consorts intimately with material nature, but when he does, he's Lord Shiva. 
<clears throat> it takes on a different aspect because of that close association with material nature, and therefore, as far as we're concerned, he's not really available for ultimate salvation. Or you have to go another step. So, but eventually, he, he, is, he, 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 he is both cause and effect, Krishna. Is, and by the way, all of this in, in the, these statements deny the Mayavada philosophy. Because the Mayavada philosophy, strictly speaking, what it really says is the absolute truth has no energies. This world does not come out of the Lord. In spite of what the Vedanta says, they have found a way to explain it, that is actually an illusory superimposition. So he doesn't cause it. And there's a big question is whose illusion is it? Because it can't be Brahman's because the illusion would be more powerful than Brahman. It can't be the living entities because the living entities are a product of illusion. That my separate identity is a product of illusion. So you've got this illusion floating around somewhere belonging to no one and coming from nowhere. And therefore, the Mayavadis say is anirvachaniya, sadasat anirvachaniya. He cannot be spoken of either as existing or as not existing. That solves that problem. You just say so. <laughs> anyway. So anyway, now so it goes on to describe the, uh, the, uh, uh, this from, the, from quotations appropriately from the Upanishads. How uh, uh, property is the Lord is the ingredient cause, the efficient cause. This is this is as stated in the Tatariya Upanishad two two one. Tasmat va etasmat atmana akasha samuta. This is not verse, by the way. It's prose. The Upanishads mostly are written in prose. From the Supreme Lord, the ether evolved akasha in this quotation. And so, Kamyata Babusham Prajayaya. He desired, let me become many by expanding into Rajani. That's the Upanishadic description. Goes on, the individual jiva souls are not created when born, in quotation marks, from the Supreme Lord and property nor are they destroyed when they merge back into the Lord, rejoining Him in the pleasure pastimes of His eternal kingdom. And in the same way as the infinitesimal jivas can appear to undergo birth and death without any factual change, the Supreme Lord can send forth and withdraw His emanation without Himself undergoing any transformation. Yeah, that's 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 again the Mayavada. I reject the, what the Upanishads seem to be saying about the Lord's energy, and says no. If Brahman w- w- was the source of everything, then Brahman would be transformed, but it's not transformed. Therefore, it's not the source of everything. 
where does everything come from? Well, there is no everything. It's just not there. So they, they think that. But of course, what the Upanishad says that Brahman is Purna, and if you take away Purna, it's still Purna. It doesn't subtract. As far as the Lord's material energy, by the way, uh, never quite, when, when everything is withdrawn, and there's only Brahman, like during a period of complete dissolution uh, of, of, the, of, the crea- of the creation, uh, and the whole energy is withdrawn back into the Lord, it remains, it's described as almost indistinguishable from the rest of him. But it's the material energy, like some kind of very faint little little swiggle. But there's differentiation, always. It's, uh, that's why our philosophy is called sa-vishesha. A vishesha is something that's distinct. A distinct particular thing. And Brahman is sa-vishesha. It has visheshas. Whereas the mayavada is near Vishesha. No Vishesha, without any Visheshas. So that's why these things are important. So it says here, it can send forth and withdraw his emanations without himself undergoing any transformation. Thus the Brihad Aranyaka Upanishad 4, 5, 14 affirms Avinashi variyam atma. This atma is indeed indestructible. A statement that can be applied both to the supreme soul and to the subordinate jiva soul. As explained by Srila Sridhar Swami, the dissolution of the living being's material condition occurs in two ways, partial and complete. Partial dissolution occurs when the soul experiences dreamless sleep, when he leaves his body, and when all. It seems to see the idea seems to be that when you're in deep dreamless sleep, you leave your body, uh, and then and when all souls re-enter the body of Mahavishnu at the time of universal annihilation. In other words, the partial dissolution of deep dreaming sleep and the dissolution part other dissolution when you re-enter the body of Mahavishnu when the whole universe is dissolved. These different types of dissolution are like the mixing of nectar brought by bees from different kinds of flowers. Uh, the different flavors of nectar represent the dormant individual karmic reactions of each living entity, which still exist but cannot easily be distinguished from one another. In contrast, the ultimate dissolution of the soul's material conditions and its liberation from samsara is like the flowing of rivers into the ocean. See, now they've got three here and they're talking about two, so I don't quite understand this. Maybe dreaming of sleep happens both times when you leave your body and when the soul enters Mahavishnu. Uh, Because there, you're still there. When you enter Mahavishnu uh, at the time of this, you still have your karma. 
It's still it's still with you. You're, you're not devoid of your karma. You don't automatically become liberated. And so when you come out again, that karma comes with you. Uh, 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 like a kind of uh, fog or smoke or something. And, uh, uh, so the other one, when, so, so they're saying like when, when you have honey uh, and the flowers, uh, the nectar from different flowers uh, uh, are combined, they, they don't, you can taste it sometimes, the differences, the different tastes in the honey because of the combination. Uh, although sometimes they have, this is clover honey. I, we used to get honeys for Balaram, you know, honeys made from the wildflowers of Andalusia, uh, uh, honeys from the black bees of Africa, uh, honeys who just take a certain kind of flower, the, you know, so the, you, can, you can get honeys like that. If you're a honey gourmet, uh, you, 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 you go for it. But generally, the distinct flavor is a little bitter there. But when the, when the rivers merge into the ocean, after they, it says, as the waters from different rivers merge together after ending the ocean and become indistinguishable from one another, so the false material designations of the jiva are given up at the time of liberation, and all the liberated jivas once again become equally situated as servants of the Supreme Lord. When the rivers live, they, they, they do. Quite a while in the ocean, you can detect the presence of certain rivers, you know, but after a while, they do get mixed up. The Upanishads describe these dissolutions as follows. Yada somya madhu madhukto nitishtanti nanam yanam vikshanam rasam rasam samabhaaram ikattam samjayanti te yata tatra na vidikam lapante amushyaham vikshasya rasosnyas mushyaham rasosniti Yevam eva kalu somyeva sarva praja sati sampadya navidu sati sampadya mahe sampadya mahe. Translation My dear boy, this, that is to say the partial dissolution, uh, resembles what happens when honeybees collect honey by extracting the nectar from the flowers of various kinds of trees and merge it all into a single mixture. Just as the mixed, extra, mixed <coughs> nectars cannot distinguish I am the juice of such and such a flower or I am the juice of another flower, so, dear boy, when all the living, living entities merge together, they cannot consciously think, now we have merged together. Anyway, that's the translation of the Chandogya Upanishad. So that's where this metaphor comes from. It's Upanishadic. <coughs> and now, uh, from the uh, Mundaka Upanishad, a verse, Yatanajas, Yatanajasanyamana Sundre Stamgatsadina Marupe Yaya Tatavasanama Rupa. As river flows to their dissolution in the sea, giving up their names and forms, 
as their destination, so the wise man, who becomes free from material names and forms, attains to the Supreme Absolute, the wonderful personality of Godhead. So here the personified brain, Vedas praying, are quoting themselves, or at least referring to what they've already said that you can find in the Upanishads. And here the commentators have located these statements. So the one example is from the Tandogya Upanishad, speaking, praying to the Lord, and the other from the Mundaka Upanishad, praying to the Lord. <laughs> so now we conclude with a prayer by Sridharswani praise, and this is another verse or a different meter, beginning with uh, four heavy, uh, uh, three heavy beats. Yasin Vilayam Piyat Bhati Vishvam Vayadu Jivopitam Guru Karunaya Kivalama Vampode Vapode Aya Atyanta Tam Vajati Sasa Sinduva Sinduva Ye Madje Chittam Tibuvana Guru Bhavaye Tam Rishimha that Supreme Lord is self-effulgently omniscient. By His great mercy, this universe, which is subject to repeated creation and destruction, He remained remain by His mercy, this universe, excuse me, which is subject to repeated creation and destruction, remains present within Him after merging back into Him alone. Excuse me after merging back with him along with all the living entities at the time of cosmic dissolution. This total withdrawal of the universal manifestation occurs suddenly like the flowing of a river into the ocean. Within the core of my heart, I meditate upon that master of these, the three worlds, Lord Nishringa. You know that Sridhar Swami was a Nishringa devotee in particular. So he sums it up this way. <coughs> okay, any questions or comments? In yesterday's verse, they also mm-hmm. summed it up. In yesterday's verse, they also summed it up with the prayer to the Oh, yes, Sridhar Maharaj. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. He's quoted all the time here in this way because he is the first commentator on the Bhagavatam the original commentator. Uh, and he, uh, yeah. He's but a, he, he was a, he was, he was a devotee of Nishinga. Yeah, he was a devotee, particularly of the form of the Lord as a Shringadeva. That's why he's mentioned here. <coughs> he's famous for that. Is, is he from one of the other Sampradayas? Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, before I, I don't think I, I think he was before the before Ramanuja, so there wasn't a Sri Sampradaya. Of course, now the Sri Sampradaya are the big worshippers of the Sringade, but uh, but he was before because because uh, yeah, he was no way maybe he wasn't no maybe he was after yeah that's right he was after I think he was in the Sri Sampradaya. Because uh, uh, Ramanujacharya did not write a commentary, commentary on the, on the 
Srimad Bhagavatam. One of his disciples did that. He did. But I'm not sure what Sridharaswami's actual affiliation is, so I shouldn't speculate. Huh? What the writings of Ramanujacharya, his commentaries, what did he work on? Uh, all kinds of other texts, but not, not the Bhagavatam. Yeah, that, that's why some scholars want to say that it's it was written after Ramanuja because if he had known about it, he would have commented on it. That's the, the speculation. He probably just says, no, I, I think I brought it up to him. He said, no, some other, uh, uh, some, some, some disciples did it. So, I can look up for you all around me, stop things and comment on at the bottom of the top. Sounds like all are... Why did that happen? Because I mentioned what scholars say about the Bhagavatam, right? <laughs> Shouldn't even have spoken in class, right? Anything else? Where's your fuse box? This whole neighborhood recently, I think. Well, you need cable though, so. Somebody has windows. Anything else? Okay, thank you very much. Shoot a purple five, key, Jai, Shoot a five, Madonna, key, Jai.